Thanks for tuning in on our Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we pray you're encouraged by the message. We're going to read the word. The Bible is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. Come on, one more time. The Bible is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. It is our very last week in this series. Unbelievable. 49 weeks starting in Genesis, getting all the way to Revelation. And we're going to end it today, and it all centers around that. Everything points to Jesus. Everything in this life is about Jesus. It all points to Him. So we're going to get to it. Luke chapter 21. The Bible says, Then He spoke to them a parable. We read this parable last week in Matthew's account. This is Luke's account. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation, everyone say this generation. This generation. He's speaking specifically about a gap, start and end of a generation. Not all the generations before, a generation. We got to know that. Will by no means pass away till all things take place. Verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now we go to verse 34, which is a continuation beyond what Jesus said last week. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and cares of life, and that that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Then this is what I love about Jesus. He says this day is coming. It's going to be chaotic. It's going to be bad. But Jesus says, watch therefore and pray. Watch therefore. Eyes are open. But in an attitude of prayer. Watch therefore and pray also that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Last week we talked about seven Old Testament signs of the end times. And you guys weathered it for a full hour. Today, I'm going two hours. I'm just joking. That must have been a sign. Like, don't say that. I said it. I'm not going to go that long, but we're going to talk about seven New Testament signs. People say all the times, are we in the end times, the end of days? They put all these things to it. Like I said last week, I don't want to move you emotionally. We can't say, I feel. We can't just base on feelings. I'm going to show you from from Scripture actual facts that would lead us to believe that we are indeed in the end times. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much, Nate. Worship team, thank you very much. So today we've got to get straight to it. I don't want to prolong it any more than I have to, but I will say this. Anytime I preach, I always say, God, you can interrupt anything you want to interrupt. So I've studied. 
I've looked at the scriptures, but again, we don't know what's going to happen, so you guys better hold on, because if I start getting crazy, start getting loud, it might just happen, and then you need to start getting crazy, and you need to start getting loud, and then we could all leave church saying we had a really good loud time. <laughs> Today we're talking about signs of the times, but more specifically from the New Testament. Now it's worth recapping that Jesus said it's not about just a sign here or there. This is recap. It's about a generation, a group of people that witness and that encounter all of the signs. So he's saying there's a generation that's going to see everything from Scripture, whether from the book of Matthew, from the book of Daniel, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There's going to be this generation that sees all of it take place. So if you weren't able to join us last week, you can go to our podcast, you can go to Vimeo, you can watch it. But all of the signs that we talked about last week, I think we would all agree that they have taken place in this generation. Now as we look to the New Testament, we begin to see more. And Jesus says that. This generation will see all of it. Now in our opening scripture, Jesus says, pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all the things that will come to pass. Now Jesus is talking about the things that will take place during that tribulation period. We talked about that last week. That's seven years of tribulation. And he tells us that the events of the time, they'll be like a snare. Now a snare, if you're not accustomed to it, it's a lot like an animal trap. And it's going to be this trap. And on all of those on the face of the earth, in other words, those that were left in the church, they're affected by it. And he says these things. Watch here. He says, don't be drunk. Don't live carelessly. Don't get caught up in the things of the world. Don't let those take precedence over the things that are much more important. And then he gives us this, this label of instruction. He says, be watchful and be ready. I made this statement last week and it's true. There are people who would say when it comes to the preaching and the teaching of end times, they would say, I'm not really caught up in all of that. And the problem with that, as we discovered and learned last week, is that if that is our attitude towards end times, one third of the Bible speaks about prophetic and prophecy and end times. So if we don't understand these things, we cannot see the signs that come. And if we can't see the signs that come, one of the things that we miss out on that is so important to all of us in this room, no matter how educated you are on this, you miss out on an opportunity to be a witness. Your ability to be a witness based upon your testimony of how Christ saved you is one way that you can be a witness. But another way is to say that when calamity comes and when these signs take place, that you can look at an unbeliever and say, hey, did you know the Bible actually talks about this? Did you know that thousands of years ago this was actually predicted? This is prophetic. So I say that to all of us in the room and for all of you watching us online, understanding these signs that are taking place actually give you an opportunity, think about this, to be a witness. And hear me, if you are a witness and you point somebody towards Jesus and they accept him as Lord and Savior, do you see that the weight of that? Sometimes it feels pretty heavy because it got pretty quiet in here. You can actually help someone come to know the saving grace of Jesus by just simply seeing what's going on and saying, hey, the Bible talks about this. So we talked about that last week on how we need to be aware. 
Now, there are some of you in here that when it comes to end times, man, you are on, for a lack of better terms, you are on geek mode. And I mean that in a very good way, by the way. Like, I, I think it's actually a compliment to be a geek, and I know it's just a play on words, but I'm just saying, what I'm saying is that some of you, you love end times, and that's great. And for some of us, not so much. And that's, in a way, somewhat okay. Some of us will gravitate towards other types of teaching and scriptures in the Bible, and some will gravitate. That's all fine. But we all need a baseline, a proper understanding. Can I get an amen on that one? If you're watching online, put a thumbs up, emoji, whatever. We need a baseline. So that's what these two weeks have been. Last week was giving you this baseline of the Old Testament. So today we're going to get right to it, seven minutes into the message, into the New Testament signs. And there's going to be a lot of content coming at you. So I want to encourage you. If you've got a smartphone, a smart device, uh, my, my father-in-law is going to watch this later. He finally upped his game and got, a, got an iPhone. He got away from the Android. The way, so anyways, he can watch this later. But you can go back and check this out and get into it a little bit deeper, okay? But seven signs from the New Testament of the old days. Are you guys ready? I need you with me today, okay? Because there's going to be a lot of content here. So if something speaks to your spirit, you can say amen. It's okay to clap. It's okay to shout. Just don't throw anything at me, okay? Especially if I say something that rubs you wrong. It's the Bible. Anyways, number one is going to be the moral degeneration of mankind. This will be a sign. Again, the moral degeneration of of mankind. Look at what the word says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal despisers of good. You ever think about that one? They will be despisers of good, like good things being done. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And this is the most scariest one. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Now those are some heavy words right there. But the point was, is in last days, at the beginning of that scripture, it says in those last days, that's what it's going to be like. I think we could all agree we're in those times. We know people that are in those times. They come to mind as, you, as we begin to read that list. But it gets worse. Now, you can say that there have always been unkind and unloving people in the world. But let's just do this. Let's take a look at one of the words in that passage of Scripture and break it down in the Greek. Let's use the word, for example, unloving. The word unloving in the Greek is translated, unloving is astargos. That's the word, which means without natural affection. Watch here. So Jesus is saying that there will be a generation where the normal family bond is disintegrating. The natural, the way that God intended it. Where natural affection as God designed it among families and individuals will rapidly diminish. In other words, it will be strangely out of order 
and unnatural. The family, the way that it's made, it will become that way. People and culture will be increasingly selfish, arrogant, unthankful, slanderous, unholy, brutal, and out of control. Children towards their parents will be disrespectful and disobedient as the norm. And for some, it will be labeled as, that's okay, you're expressing yourself. It will be about loving pleasure rather than loving God. Now, I know this is tough, but we have to hear it. Even those who claim to be spiritual will deny what is the heart, the essence, and even the power of Christianity. They will say that Jesus is not the only way to God. And that's how you will know that we are in end times. Would you say that in this generation we are there? I believe we are there. Now, I've only been pastoring for about 20 years. Now, for the first 16 years, it was being a youth pastor. For the past four years going on five, it's been older people. Just joking, just joking. I've been, I've been pastoring not teenagers anymore, but adults. But whether it's pastoring teenagers or young adults or adults or those with a lot of wisdom, and you know who you are, observing and studying people has been something that has been a tremendous thing that I have often looked at, being an observer, watching how generations treat generations, watching how children respond to their parents, watching how couples relate to each other. I don't have to tell you that if we were to look around even our community, but this world, that relationships and how we honor one another has drastically changed drastically. We are so quick to put people down for some of the silliest things than to build them up with great words. Isn't it amazing how we can put people down for getting our order wrong? We will literally put them down. We will degrade them with our words because they got our order wrong, because it wasn't hot enough. Isn't that crazy? I know that's a silly, like, but we all sense that and feel that. We will put people down because they are young in the faith and God is still working in them, but because they are not on the level upon which we are and because they are here, we will say we do not understand them. They are off. They are missing the mark of God, forgetting that we were once babes in Christ and needed time to mature to get much better. It's not just against those who don't love God. We even tear down those who do love God. Okay, so there's a moral degeneration. And it goes all the way across. That was spoken in the Bible before it ever came to pass. It's in this generation. Number two, this one's going to be amazing. But it's the mocking of those who take the Bible literally. This one's huge. You will know that it is a sign of the time when those who believe the Bible, word for word, everything, the Bible is God's words, they will be mocked for it. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. 
that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing that first that scoffers will come in the last days. Everyone say last days. Walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens of, were of old and the earth standing out of water in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Verse seven, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment of the ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. We're going to get to that in a moment. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering. Aren't you thankful that he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any would perish, but that all should come to repentance? Okay, what is Peter saying here? Because that's a lot of words, and there's a lot of things going on. He's saying that this will be a sign, that there will be many who will scoff at the teaching of the coming of judgment. So if this message last week and today was to be put out into the public in some way, shape, or form, it would be scoffed and it would be mocked on. What do you mean this last day stuff? They will ridicule the prophetic promise of the Lord's coming. They will totally ignore that it is the mercy of God that is given time for lost people to come to the Lord. And they will say, he's not coming. This is all false. That's what Peter is saying. Peter is saying that as you see the growing scorn towards those who take the Bible literally, recognize it as a sign. Number three, the completion of a six thousand years of human history. Now, this is where we're going to have some fun right here, okay? The completion of 6,000 years of human history. Now, remember, I'm in teacher mode on this one, okay? Don't worry, I'll get preachy here in a moment, especially if you get really quiet and you start to fall asleep, okay? The completion of 6,000 years of history. What does that mean, okay? Sometimes, you may have heard this, but it's called the seven-day theory of human history. If you haven't heard this before, this will be your first time. It's going to be great. It's something that many prophecy teachers and even rabbis down through the generations and down through the centuries have taught, okay? It's from Scripture, and it's the, the idea that anyone can predict the date of the return of Christ. Notice, that's inaccurate. You'll never know. The disciples asked Jesus that, and he said, it's not for you to know, Okay? So many will try to say, well, I could tell you when Christ is coming back. This is different. What's being said is we're urged to see the signs and the seasons, okay? So look at 2 Peter chapter 3, and then I'm going to give you a breakdown of years. Let's look at this again. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also was a time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. We just read this, but hear this. Being kept for the day of judgment and destruction. Look at verse 8. But do not forget this one thing. Okay, so that brings a lot of precedence to what's being said. Don't forget this one thing. 
With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. One day, 1,000 years. Tracking with me? Okay, and a thousand years like a day. That's what verse eight says. So God sees a thousand years as a day. Look at Isaiah chapter 46, verse nine. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is no one like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do what I please. I'm trying to lay a foundation here, okay? So here's what this is. God says, there's no one like me. I declare the end and the beginning. So in Genesis 1, we have the beginning. God says he was also declaring the end. That's what we see in 2 Peter. So in the creation story, God declares human history. In six days, God was finished. Six is the number of man. That's why the Antichrist number is referred to as 666. It's the trinity of man opposed to the triune God. Now watch here. Seven, as you know, is the perfect number of completion. God created in six days. What did he do on the seventh? He, he rested. That's there. So the seven-day theory of human history says there is going to be 7,000 years of human history. 6,000 years of mankind running things. Listen close. 1,000 years of Sabbath rest, which is known as the millennial reign. Now, I know for some of us this can be a little deep, but some of us need to be stretched in this. You need to think this through. You need to understand it. So if this theory, it goes this. If in Genesis, God was declaring the end from the beginning and one day equals how many years? A thousand. 6,000 years of human history. Then God. Okay, so what time is it now? If that's the case. Well, we know approximately how many years of human history are in the Old Testament because of the genealogies in Matthew and Luke. Approximately 4,000 years from Adam to Christ. We can see that from the genealogies. So we're not guessing here. If God is showing us something in his word, then we can see that from Adam until now. We know approximately it's been 2,000 years from the birth and the death and the resurrection and ascension of Christ back to heaven. Are you tracking with me? So think about this. So we could, I don't want to say assume, but we could know or we can gauge that we're somewhere around or pretty close to the 6,000 year point. And if the seventh day, which is the Sabbath day, represents the rule of Christ during the millennial reign, I'm just saying we're the first generation that would fit into that time frame. Now, for some of us, our brains are spinning right now, and that's okay. What I love about the Bible and what I love about studying God's word is if we would just slow down 
and just start studying our way through the Bible, we would get a depth of the Bible in our lives. Not just read it, not against just reading, not against version devotions, but there is a difference between reading and studying. I think the year of 2021 might be a year to remove ourselves, for a lack of better terms, from very shallow disciplines. And I believe the year of 2022 should move us into deeper disciplines. And I think for some of us, what we could do to make the Bible become alive in our heart again is to stop just reading it and actually start studying it. Getting the right resources, the right people, asking the Holy Spirit every time we read to show us something and deepen that discipline of God's word in the Bible. That's how you can come up with stuff like this. And I don't mean come up as in guesswork, but that's how you can look at things and go, now, wait a minute. We might actually just be here. You ever think about that? That's what I'm trying to get you to. So that's number three. Number four, terrorism around the world. I don't think I need to spend a lot of time on this one. I think we would all agree that terrorism in our world is at an all-time high. The Bible says in Luke chapter 21, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for in the heavenly bodies will be shaken. I was reminded not too long ago, I decided to finally pony up and go on a deep sea fishing trip. I have not wanted to do that because when I got married uh, 15 years ago, a couple of days ago, well, no, not a couple, we celebrated 15 years. Uh, we went on a dinner cruise about 100 yards out from the shore. And Vanessa found out on that day that this man cannot handle anything that rocks and moves. Because I spent the whole time on the side of the boat. It's just, you know what's taking place. So I finally went a little while ago, and I was reminded that the weather, did you know this, begins in the ocean. You know that? Tomorrow, we got a nice little storm coming in. Tomorrow through Tuesday, it originates in the ocean. Notice the words. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. So just in the same way that we could see that nations are having issues, like we know weather comes from the ocean, we could see these things begin to take place. Verse 26, people will faint from terror, apprehensive of what's coming to the world. If you're one who likes to watch the news, I don't have to tell you that right now when it becomes, or when it comes down to Russia and some different things beginning to take place, we have some stuff that's getting ready to get even crazier. That's just in one. We don't even have to even have a debate about on if radical Islam is taking place. Terror, it's all over. And that's just what we can see, not even what we can't. What is it? It's a sign. Luke 21, 28. When these things begin to take place, notice the words of Jesus. Stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. 
So while we see terrorism take place, as believers, we're not supposed to be in fear. We're supposed to be in prayer, and we're to keep our heads up and our eyes up to look for opportunities to witness, to help. All right, number five, number five. You guys are doing a really good job, by the way. Number five. I was hoping you would say, you too, Pastor. But anyways, um, <laughs> it's one of those messages where I'm like, I might need some affirmation on this one. All right, so number five, I'm okay. An army of 200 million from the east. This is unreal. You will know it is a sign in the end times when an army of 200 million from the east. Now, I don't have a lot of time to touch on this, but this speaks to something that happens, I believe, after the church has been taken. So after the rapture. Revelation chapter 9, verse 13. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river of Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released, watch here, to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen, watch here, was 200 million. This is John writing this on the island of Patmos. Follow with me. Receiving the revelation of things to come. In this battle, he sees an army from the east moving towards Israel. I believe, me personally, while he had no context for it, that what he describes seeing when you go back and read this is actually fighter jets and helicopters and missiles being fired. He's getting this revelation of this beginning to take place. When John receives this, think about this. There were not any nations or even groups of nations that could gather a 200 million army. Yet he's writing about it. Think about it. Sometimes you gotta slow down in this stuff. Would we agree that 200 million is a lot? Could we agree that even in the times that he's writing that, that it could not have been known that there was a nation who had 200 million? Yet he's talking about this. Can you imagine him sitting on the Isle of Patmos and he sees a vision of 200 million men moving towards Israel? Imagine what he's seeing. There's not a nation that could do that until about 50 years ago. Could it just be that if Jesus says you will see these signs, all of them in this generation, could it just be that there is only one nation on the planet right now that is to the east of Jerusalem who can produce this? If you're not caught up on history, there's a nation who can produce 
a 200 million man army today. How does that happen when it is literally talked about thousands of years ago in the book of Revelation and it not be true? It's a sign. To me, when I read about all of this stuff, you know what it just does for me? It just, it tells me and it shows me again just how valid the Bible is. Because even if you don't go deep into this stuff of end times, there's so much more to the Bible. And if this stuff like right here is proven to be true, and it is, it brings so much more validity to everything else that I read. That's a powerful thing. So we see this. Okay, number six, as Nate comes. Number six would be the technological ability, this is very long, for the entire world to witness events at the same moment, at the same time. I won't go long on this one, but there are events described in the Bible that the entire world at one time is going to be able to watch. And we know that we can do that via satellite, and we know that we can do that via the internet. There's going to be moments in the end times where the whole world is watching. How could John have any ability outside of God's revelation to even conceive the capability that a generation could possess this? How could, how could John see that? Only God could show him that. Let me give you an example. We won't read it for, for sake of time, but just note it down if you're taking notes. Revelation chapter 11, verses 7 through 11. In hindsight, it's speaking about two witnesses that will come. During the time, there will be two witnesses known as preachers in Jerusalem during the tribulation proclaiming the absolute word of God to the entire world for three and a half years. So there's going to be a timeline here. And God will empower them in such a way that if you read the entire passage, it says, if anyone gives them trouble, this is fascinating, at their word, fire comes from heaven and consumes them. Now, some of you don't start thinking about one of those co-workers that that could possibly happen to. But literally, they will preach, and if people give them trouble, they can call down fire from heaven. The whole world will hate them so much that at a specific time, they will be killed for their preaching. And the Bible even goes on to say that for three and a half years, people from other nations will literally send gifts in celebration of their killing. That's how much these guys will be hate and despised. But then the breath of God will be breathed back into them and they will rise again. And the whole world will see it. Think about that. They'll be killed in a street. They will be celebrated. And here's the crazy part. 
the whole world will see it. We got some surfers in the room today. I know those who go surfing, they can go on a website right now and they can see cameras that point to all the local beaches around to see what the swells are like at any given time that they want. It's a lot like that. At any given time, people will be able to log onto their phone, computer, or television, and they'll see lifeless bodies laying on the floor. And then because God is long-suffering and caring, remember, he's long-suffering. Those that missed the rapture, those that are, find themselves in the years of tribulation, they still have a chance to make Jesus Lord of their life. And God will breathe breath into them. You think that's going to cause a scene? You better believe it. And right now, we have the technology to do it. Can any other generation say that? They can't, but this one can. Lastly, seven, worldwide financial control. This will be a sign. Worldwide financial control. Revelation chapter 13, verse 16. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, his number 666. Okay, so this passage refers to a time when a world ruler is empowered and controlled by Satan. His ruler or this ruler ends up controlling the ultimate military force and his authority is extended throughout the earth in a one world government. Now this is where it can get really deep. All the systems of this world harass everyone who doesn't do things this way. Even to the point of controlling your ability to do business or even buy or sell, whether that be personally, groceries, fuel, necessities. If you don't have the mark, you can't purchase. My point is, did this type of technology exist 50 years ago? 100 years ago? Does it exist today? Isn't that crazy? Some of you have a really good look on your face right now. Because for some, like this bulb is going off like, wow, I've always heard about this, but I don't think I really deeply understood this. And it's causing an awareness to come into your spirit, into your mind, that we're living in a time where all of these signs are in this generation. They can literally control it all. Personal records, purchasing records, all of it. I would go on record to say 
that becoming a one world economy is a lot closer than we think. And that's going to be a sign. I want you to stand with me this morning. I made a joke last week. And it was just a joke, okay? So I'm going to say it again this week. And remember, it's just a joke. When we felt the Lord lead not only our church but our campuses to spend one whole year going through the Bible, this was the portion that challenged a lot of us. It challenged me in my study in ways that I haven't been challenged in a very long time. When you're a youth pastor, you don't have to really do a series for teenagers on end times. You're just trying to get them to obey their parents, be good in school, and a lot of other things in between. So I'd have, I didn't have a lot of years of studying and reading and understanding. And I'm so very thankful for men of God who have spent a lot of time in this. And Pastor Wendell, our senior, senior pastor, was a tremendous resource in the last two weeks that we've had together. Because I have no problem saying I am outside of my comfort zone in this area. Can you point me in, in the direction of some things? And as I've studied the past two weeks, the awareness that has come to my mind upon these points, not only this week and last week, gets me to a place where, and this may seem a little weird to you, maybe it won't, I get really excited. Because I think these signs and these things that take place are going to cause a lot of people to be confused. I just do. Would you agree? Not only confused, but afraid. Full of a lot of fear. And wouldn't it just be something if God's people who know just enough to know that these are signs don't have fear, aren't confused. That when these times come, and I know we talked a lot about the tribulation, and we won't get into post-trip, mid-trip, all that other stuff that people want to argue about left and right. I don't mean that rudely, but come on. Like, can we just not? I mean, listen, some of you, myself included, are going to get to heaven thinking we knew some things, and God's going to go, <laughs> You were so far off, but you spent time arguing with your brother and your sister, and it got you nowhere. I'm not saying don't talk the Bible. I'm just saying be kind when you do. Anyways, wouldn't it be something that when these things take place, that we actually have an answer when the world doesn't? I believe this is going to be for your benefit. It's going to deepen your faith in Christ. And it's going to help people come to know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. So just like I said last week, I'll say it again this week. Why does all this matter? Why do we need to know it? Because every single day we have an opportunity to point people to Jesus. It matters. So as we recognize the signs, lift up your head. Your redemption draweth near. Draweth, E-T-H, at the end. King James, you know what that means? Reoccurring. 
when you see ETH, when you read the King James, we call it the King, the King Jimmy, King James Bible, and you see the ETH at the end, that means continual. My cup runneth over. He fills my cup over and over and over. Lift up your head. Your redemption is coming. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Father, I... Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 805-321-1357 or visit us at slow.canyonhills.com. Until next time, have a great day and be encouraged that God is with you and for you.